Okay. Hi. We're doing this. I think we're doing this. Yes, we are. We have a poll in our live studio audience. Thank you for joining us. If you're just joining us and you're in our chat room, here's the question that I'm asking everybody, and I'll have the results at the end of the program. Who do you think will no longer be left standing after New Hampshire? Will it be Haley? Will she no longer be left standing? DeSantis? That's the second choice. Haley and DeSantis? That's the third choice. New Hampshire? That's the fourth choice. If you're watching us live right now in the chat room, please answer that poll and we'll have the results at the end. Who do you think will no longer be left standing after New Hampshire? Haley, DeSantis, Haley and DeSantis, New Hampshire. Well, a year from today, Joe Biden will be sworn in for his second term and will have defeated these fascists and go down in history as one of the most consequential presidents since Lyndon Johnson. I know that half this country can't come up with $500 for an emergency, that the situation in Gaza and Ukraine is beyond a human rights catastrophe. But in the grand sweep of history, and by grand sweep of history, I mean if you have a roof over your head this morning, food, and a job, In the grand sweep of history, Joe Biden has the potential to be up there with Abraham Lincoln. I mean that. We are on the eve of the New Hampshire primaries. I don't subscribe to the great man theory, but I do subscribe to the little man theory. No fascism in Italy without Mussolini. No Nazis in Germany without Hitler, and no fascism in America without Trump. There will always be little men and their contagion of fascism in America. But nobody ever had the inner strength, the know-all, yes, the wisdom to bring it as far as Donald Trump has. Donald Trump is a giant among little men. He possesses the perfect combination of willpower and marketing genius. We defeat him in November. He disappears. He probably goes to prison. We reelect him. We have a long fight on our hands. All these candidates for the Republican nomination are or were detestable. Haley, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy, all of them are just as bad as Trump. Now, I suspect Nikki Haley has some shred of human decency, but not much. DeSantis, one could argue, has governed Florida as indecently as Donald Trump governed during his four years in office, if not more so. DeSantis' anti-trans laws, the book banning, his anti-vax campaign, arresting black people for voting. You give the reins of power to DeSantis or Ramaswamy, they're just as bad as Trump. Maybe worse because they know what to do with that power. But they're thankfully unelectable. Everybody hates them. Unfortunately, they don't hate Trump. 
a large swath of America loves Trump. Now, I don't love Trump. I hate him. But I am in awe of Donald Trump. He is like the World Trade Center towers coming down. I've never seen anything like this. It's beyond imagination. And if Trump somehow makes it back into the Oval Office, it will be horrible. He will be picking our judges. And we will see Americans disappear, especially the ones who lack the right papers and speak Spanish. Now, I comfort myself by thinking Donald Trump surround himself, himself only with mental defectives who all end up self-destructing. But I didn't see that in Iowa. He won big because he was organized. There are dark forces behind Donald Trump. There have always been. Now, I didn't want Biden. I wanted Bernie Sanders. I want a lot of things. Medicare for all, a hybrid economic system where the government owns half the economy and corporations and private business own the other half and they're forced to compete. Corporations, businesses are forced to compete with the government instead of telling the government what to do. Unfortunately, once again, that's not on the menu this year. It should be. And because it wasn't on the menu in 2020, at least after Biden sealed the Democratic nomination, we're once again engaged in a battle for the soul of our nation instead of taking care of our most vulnerable and making sure nobody else falls through the cracks. This is what happens when a country, when a government ignores half the population that can't come up with $500 for an emergency. Incrementalism doesn't cut it. Desperate Americans want something, anything other than the status quo. And con artists like Trump can and do convince millions he has the answer. The, damn it, that sound again. The, I'm sorry, there's, a, there's a, some kind of bug in the system. We'll see how bad it gets, but I'll acknowledge it this time. Uh, I'll do it subtly. When you hear that beep, I will scream the F word at the top of my lungs. <sighs> Con artists like Donald Trump can convince millions he has the answer. The question rolling into November is how many of us will be stupid enough to believe him and how many of us will be willing to do the heavy lifting necessary to defeat him? Defeat him not by wasting time arguing with your crazy neighbor, but by getting out there and making the case for Democratic candidates. Not just Joe Biden, but every Democrat running for every office in America, from senator all the way down to judge, including Josh Gottheimer, my sister's odious congressman. Vote against Josh Gottheimer in the primaries, but if he gets the nomination, vote for him in the general. 
You don't have to like Joe Biden. Vote for Joe Biden anyway. And that should be his slogan. Vote for Joe Biden anyway. We have to elect Democrats. The more Democrats we elect, the more power the left has to move Democratic office holders to our side. When there aren't enough Democrats holding office, it gives our party's leadership permission to stay in the center. But when we hold strong majorities, then you and I can demand bold action. This is the mop-up for January 21st, 2024. This is an audio podcast, and you will hear a beeping sound. I don't know what's going on, uh, but but listen to this as a podcast on your next drive, your next walk, your next whatever, and leave a comment. I read all your comments. Do me a favor by liking this episode so I remain in your feed. And of course, share this with your friends. That's the best way to help me is to like and share this. The only reason you're hearing me right now is because somebody shared this episode with these annoying beeps, although I haven't heard one yet. But you'll see me grimace when I hear the beeps. I have a couple of corrections. I read all your corrections. I mean, your your comments, your connections. Uh, and I will try to get to your corrections at the end of the episode after I give the results of our poll. A New Mexico grand jury handed down an indictment charging Alec Baldwin with manslaughter for the accidental shooting of a cinematographer on the set of his movie Rust. The shooting took place back in 2021, only hours after producers replaced a union crew with scabs. Yeah. Baldwin was one of the producers of that movie. It's been a long, tortuous legal process for the 65-year-old actor. In April of last year, the special prosecutors in New Mexico dropped the charges against him, saying they had new evidence exonerating Alec Baldwin, but added they reserved the right to recharge him if anything else surfaces. And then, in October of last year, two years after he fired a prop gun, that someone loaded with an actual bullet. Two years after that, the New Mexico prosecutors said they had new evidence that suggested criminal culpability on the part of Alec Baldwin. And now, a grand jury late last week decided there is enough to charge Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter. The grand jury decided to leave it up to prosecutors whether Baldwin should be convicted for negligence, negligence surrounding the use of a firearm. It was a prop gun. Uh, He had no idea it was loaded. Or will prosecutors, this is what the grand jury gave them a second choice, or should prosecutors charge him with manslaughter based on Baldwin not taking the necessary precautions on the set? Now, I'm assuming the trial will focus on whether Alec Baldwin followed safety protocols for use of prop guns on movie sets. And they'll be asking whether he went through the proper training or figured, as I would, that 
I've been doing movies for decades. If I were Alec Baldwin, I'd figure I've been doing movies for decades. I know how to use a prop gun. Then again, if Alec Baldwin didn't do the proper training, it could spell trouble. The New York Times says if convicted, Baldwin could end up doing 18 months in prison. But does anyone think he'll actually go to prison? He's innocent. And for someone who does an amazing Trump impersonation, he's the one who should be screaming total witch hunt. Christian Ziegler, the former head of the Florida Republican Party, forced to step down earlier this month after a woman with whom he and his wife engaged in a threesome accused him of rape has been cleared by police on charges of raping his friend of 20 years. Police, however, are asking prosecutors to charge Christian Ziegler with video voyeurism after he allegedly used his phone to tape his encounter with the woman without permission. Christian Ziegler insisted he didn't rape her and then offered his phone as evidence. Oops, he didn't have permission. His wife, Bridget, is one of the founders of Moms for Liberty, or Liberty, It's an anti-LGBTQ hate group. When news broke that Bridget Ziegler was engaging in a bisexual threesome with a woman she was then forced to resign and had her name scrubbed from this hate group's website. By the way, the Southern Poverty Law Center lists Moms for Liberty as a hate group, and they were around the corner last week trying to get some uh, Manhattan Moms for Liberty to be as stupid as they are. A spokesperson for Kanye West confirmed that the rap artist did in fact shell out $850,000 to replace all his teeth with titanium. See? And everybody said he was suffering from some sort of mental illness. I'm glad to see he's okay and making sound decisions. Titanium actually isn't expensive. Most of that $850,000 was spent on getting Kanye to shut his mouth long enough for dentists to operate. Okay, ye, now open your mouth, but don't say anything. You might remember that Kanye is a good friend of Donald Trump's and voted for him twice. Kanye visited Mar-a-Lago for a meal with Trump and brought along neo-Nazi internet personality Nick Fuentes. Trump later said he had no idea who Nick Fuente is, the same way Trump said he had no idea who KKK leader David Duke was after David Duke endorsed him for president. I love how Donald Trump thinks he has to play stupid. Donald, you don't need to pretend to be stupid. Just be yourself. Last week, Nick Fuentes told his audience, I am a soldier for Donald Trump. I serve at the personal pleasure of Donald Trump, my supreme leader. I am part of the paramilitary wing of the Trump movement. I am part of the Revolutionary Guard. I do not answer to the Pentagon. I do not answer to the civilian government. If Donald Trump ordered me to do an extrajudicial killing, I would perform it. Someone should spend $850,000 to staple this guy's mouth shut. 
it's all a joke until it's not. If you've ever been part of a protected class where people were just joking, you know it's all a joke until it's not. If you're black, Arab, Hispanic, part of the LGBTQ community, if you're Jewish, if you're disabled, it's all a joke until it's not. In a huge blow to Nikki Haley, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina also endorsed Donald Trump for president and not his fellow South Carolinian, Nikki Haley. Yes, Tim Scott, a black man like Kanye, is voting for the same guy Nick Fuentes and David Duke are. Scott was a candidate for the Republican nomination last year, and there was a lot of tension between Haley and Scott. Things grew heated during one debate when Scott accused Nikki Haley of spending way too much on curtains for her official residence in New York when she served as Donald Trump's ambassador to the United Nations. I bring that up in case anyone thought those debates lacked any substance. Here is Tim Scott in Concord, New Hampshire, late last week, endorsing Donald Trump. We need Donald Trump. We need a president today who will stop the crime and recklessness in the streets. Yes, and move it into the White House where it belongs. Please continue. Well, something went wrong. Uh, Something? Okay, we're having a bad day. We're having a bad day. Not as bad as the people who uh, have real problems, but uh, we're having a bad day. See, when you upgrade or update your uh, system, uh, they try to convince you to buy a new computer. Uh, How do we do this? Don't get angry. Here we go. There's no reason to panic. Are we doing this? Are you going to behave? Are you going to behave? I just need to talk to the computer for a second. Are you going to behave? Okay. You notice the the beeping stopped. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's. Let's really go to town on him. All right. Uh, Where am I? Okay. So Tim Scott endorsed Donald Trump, right? Okay. And uh, let's see if we can do this. We need Donald Trump. We need a president today who will stop the crime and recklessness in the streets. Yes, and move it into the White House where it belongs. Continue. Oh, I think we're going to crash. We need a president who will restore law and order. By dismantling the FBI and turning our criminal justice system over to ICE, ex-cops, and anyone with a gun who swears loyalty to Donald Trump. I wonder if Tim Scott realizes that Trump's idea of law and order is more unarmed black people getting killed by the police. 
I wonder if Tim Scott realizes he's black. For the first time in this campaign, Nikki Haley has actually attacked Donald Trump on policy. She did the unspeakable by accusing Trump and Putin of engaging in a bromance. She did this over the weekend. Now, I know she runs everything past her advisors. Why would a leading candidate for the Republican nomination summon the temerity to say that? Yesterday in New Hampshire, Haley recalled her time as Trump's U.N. ambassador when she said, quote, you have an unhealthy relationship with Vladimir Putin, Mr. President, unquote. Sure, she said that. Sure, she did. But what is the opening Nikki Haley sees by going after Trump's coziness with Putin? What's going on here? Is there a softening within the GOP towards Ukraine? A willingness, perhaps, on the part of Speaker Mike Johnson and his hard-right pro-Putin Republican caucus to fund the war against Russia by approving that big supplemental that Biden is pushing? Now, I know a lot of my listeners disagree, but Putin has his claws into Trump, and he has his claws into far too many House Republicans. And that's precisely what's holding up the Ukraine supplemental. So why Nikki Haley? Why is she calculating this pronounced pivot away from Putin on the eve of the New Hampshire primaries? That's a bold step for a Republican to call Trump out on his unhealthy relationship with Vladimir Putin. Of all Trump's failings, from racking up massive debt to making the border more porous when he was president, why did she pick Trump's relationship with Vladimir Putin? Of all the things you're not supposed to talk about, she brought up Putin. Speaker Johnson met with Joe Biden last week on this $100 billion supplemental. Johnson said, I want to do Ukraine, but it's contingent upon funding a massive overhaul of the border crisis, this imaginary border crisis. So what he really means is he doesn't want to do Ukraine. He doesn't want to fund Ukraine because there's no way Trump is going to allow the Republican-controlled Congress to solve the border and take away his big cudgel going into the general election. And that's not a secret. He has instructed Johnson that under no circumstances is he to allow a border bill to get passed this year. Johnson has said that. And Texas Congressman Troy Nels, another Trump supplicant, said two weeks ago he would oppose any border bill because it would be good for Biden. That's what he said. He said, I will oppose any border bill because it would make Joe Biden look good and it would make Donald Trump look bad. Here is Congressman Chip Roy. He is not a Trump supporter. He's out there in New Hampshire as a DeSantis surrogate. He's important. He's important. He's one of the two members of the Freedom Caucus to certify the election for Joe Biden. Here he is telling the truth about Trump the border, and Republicans. 
I would acknowledge President Trump failed, along with Republicans, Paul Ryan and, and, and the guys, they failed in 2018 to actually move a border security bill to tighten this so that we weren't dealing with this crisis right now. They failed to actually get the wall built. President Trump signed 12 continuing resolutions after he said he would never sign another one if they didn't give him the money to finish building the wall. Look, th- this stuff matters. It adds up. I call balls and strikes. Uh, this is not hard. Republicans cannot do a border bill because that's Trump's issue. It's been his issue since 2015. He needs the border issue to stick around and not go away. And by tying border security to Ukraine, Republicans can't pass a foreign security supplemental, and that suits Vladimir Putin just fine. Trump may not own Senate Republicans, but he owns the House Republicans, especially with his lackey, Speaker Mike Johnson, mistakenly believing he's in charge. It's beginning to look more and more like Johnson is taking his orders from Trump. And nothing is up for discussion. Nothing. Trump doesn't debate or discuss. Well, This will be our last weekend pretending Donald Trump isn't the Republican nominee. Now, I've said Haley is probably worse than Trump. Harder for Biden, perhaps, to beat November. And unlike Trump, she runs the risk of being taken seriously in Washington. It would be nice, however, to see Nikki Haley win New Hampshire. It would be nice to see Trump panic. It would be nice for Trump to declare total war on Nikki Haley and go all in on the birtherism, which has already started. If Haley wins New Hampshire, you're going to see Trump's misogyny and racism in full bloom. And it will be helpful. It will be helpful for Americans, especially Nikki Haley, who, like Ted Cruz, will eventually debase herself and endorse Trump. It will be informative for Americans and Republicans to be reminded of just exactly who Donald Trump is and how and why he wins and how he's turned this party and its leaders into openly terrified authoritarian bigots. We saw it last week before Iowa with Vivek Ramaswamy, who was a zero threat to Donald Trump. But Trump is fear-based, and he got it in his head a couple of nights before Iowa that Vivek was running too close as a younger version of Donald Trump. And Donald began to worry that if the caucuses were tight, thanks to the weather, the Ramaswamy votes would would sink him. And he figured those Ramaswamy votes belong to Trump, not Ramaswamy. Because if you're voting for Ramaswamy, he figured, you love Trump. They're identical. So Trump figured Ramaswamy was stealing my votes. A vote for DeSantis or a vote for Haley is a vote against Trump. Ramaswamy is just a vote for a younger, even more repulsive iteration of Trump. So Trump lashed out at Vivek. He called Vivek a fraud 
who was duping voters, which is true. And Vivek just took it. In fact, he thanked Donald Trump. He didn't bite back. Instead, he called him the greatest president of my lifetime. And then after he came in fourth, Vivek dropped out, endorsed Trump, and once again called him the greatest president of his lifetime. There is no better word to describe all of this than debasement. It's debasement. Uh, <laughs> and I'd like to know what's in Donald Trump's basement. In order to get in Trump's good graces, you must debase yourself and not hit back. It is an entire cu- culture of debasement, of fear. And it starts from the top down. Trump is just as terrified. So he makes everyone around him terrified. The voters, everyone around him is terrified. This is precisely how authoritarians operate from a total place of fear. Terror. Terror. If Haley somehow pulls an upset in New Hampshire, we'll be seeing Trump nonstop calling her by her birth name, which he has done already. He will continue to remind voters that Nikki Haley's parents weren't citizens when they gave birth to her, which is true. He will then insist she's not eligible to be president, which is a lie, and it's something he's already begun to say. He's not going to challenge her or anybody on policy. Instead, he calls Nikki Haley a bird brain. That's his policy disagreement with Nikki Haley. So, if he loses New Hampshire, you will see a depth of racism and misogyny never never displayed before in American politics. And it won't be done by surrogates. You know, in the olden days, Republicans like George Herbert Walker Bush would say, okay, run the Willie Horton ad, but don't let me anywhere near it. Tell everyone I had nothing to do with it. But Trump isn't using surrogates. He is spewing the hate unabashedly because this, as he says, is his final battle. And so I'm hoping Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire. I don't think she wins the nomination, and I don't hope she does. But I want her to win New Hampshire just so Trump can empty his chamber and make it that much more debasing when she comes on bended knee to endorse him. Also, if she wins New Hampshire, that tells us something. It tells us that Biden's going to win even bigger in November. So yeah, Tuesday night, I'm rooting for Nikki Haley. Over the weekend, we saw Trump misspeak in a fashion we've never seen before. In the past, he would tell people, you know, like the people of Sioux City, Iowa, that it's great to be back in Sioux Falls, Iowa. Or he would occasionally call Biden Obama. And of course, he makes things up and he says stupid things. But I'm going to play you a clip right now uh, that suggests dementia. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip where 
he doesn't even realize how bad it is. I'm going to play you a clip where he goes really deep, deep into senescence. Never corrects himself. Doesn't realize he made a mistake. Here he is confusing Nikki Haley for Nancy Pelosi. He gets completely lost here, and it suggests a major problem. This uh, won't be the last time we see him doing things. By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it because of lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. OK, so that, so what he's. I mean, he never catches it. I mean, we all misspeak. I do it all the time on this show, but not for this long a stretch. Listen to this again. He's, By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it because of lots of things like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. OK, pretty bad, pretty great. Honestly, however, I don't think he's senile. I think he's got a lot on his mind, and it takes superhuman concentration to remain laser-focused on staying out of prison while running for president. Then again, the two are inextricably linked. Here's the thing about memory. It's a confidence game. When you focus on your memory, when you doubt your memory, it begins to go. But if you're relaxed about it and say, hey, you know, people forget things, that it comes roaring back. So it will be interesting to see what happens with Trump if he can shake this off or obsess about it. He is obsessive. If he obsesses on his memory, that will make it way worse, and we'll be seeing a lot more of that. And it's going to become increasingly harder for him to go after Joe Biden for being old, And there's going to be a call for him to debate Joe Biden. It looked bad. And with the New Hampshire primaries hours away, Nikki Haley is making her last stand. She has to do it in New Hampshire. And besides the Putin bromance, she's making this race about Trump's cognitive decline. She's saying he's not all there. Ashley Parker, writing in the Washington Post, says that Donald Trump is misrepresenting the Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test, which is used to determine advanced senility in seniors. Trump has been bragging about his cognitive skills while challenging Biden's. Trump insists that he's been given the Montreal test and was told nobody did a better job than he did. But the scientist who actually invented the Montreal test says Trump is describing it completely wrong. Trump describes the Montreal test as being asked to place animals in a certain order. But that test does not involve animals in a specific order. Perhaps he forgot. 
Haley is pouncing on this. She's telling New Hampshire voters, nothing personal, but America needs someone younger. Chris Sununu, the Republican governor of New Hampshire, who's endorsed Nikki Haley, is also making this race in New Hampshire about Trump's apparent cognitive decline. Ron DeSantis was the first of all the candidates to address Trump's senescence. Back in the fall, when he said Trump, quote, lost the zip on his fastball, DeSantis repeated those claims word for word in New Hampshire earlier in the week. DeSantis told a small crowd in Londonbury, I'm sorry, Londonderry, New Hampshire, this is what DeSantis told the people of Londonderry, New Hampshire, quote, what Donald Trump does now is he's wedded to the teleprompter. Well, I guess he's going to be divorcing the teleprompter as well. DeSantis said he can't get off the teleprompter. DeSantis said this is a different Donald Trump than in 2015 and 2016. Well, it is a different Donald Trump, but it's a much sharper Donald Trump. Donald Trump knows what he's talking about. Being president, unfortunately, will do that to a person. Donald Trump knows the issues. He didn't the first time. It was all bluster in 2015 and 2016. He kind of knows. I mean, he's still an idiot. He's still dangerous. But it's amazing what he's able to keep inside that thing he calls a brain. And his moderate stance on abortion in Iowa, despite everything I had warned about, turned out to be pitch perfect for him. He played it perfectly. And that's what makes him so dangerous. Last Monday in Iowa, Donald Trump changed the conversation in this country about abortion. He's given Republicans a way out. They can shake themselves free of abortion, thanks to his landslide in Iowa. He can say, and the Republicans can say, look, we overturned Roe. We got you those three judges. That's all we can do for you. Now it's up to the states. We're the states' rights party. That's where he seems to be on abortion. Unfortunately, that's going to be a winning message for Republicans and him going into November, especially with so many abortion measures on state ballots. Biden and the Democrats want this election to be about abortion. Trump, he changed that in Iowa. So, no. I don't for one second buy into the idea that Trump has lost a step. I think he's more dangerous I think he's savvier. DeSantis is the one who lost the zip on his fastball, and he flew out of New Hampshire early, knowing he doesn't stand a chance there. DeSantis put it all on Iowa. That was a failure. He's basically looking for a graceful landing, which could come as early as next week. And I suspect Haley will be out next week, too. We have a poll If you're watching us live on YouTube, who do you think won't be left standing after Tuesday? Haley? DeSantis? Haley and DeSantis? Or New Hampshire? 
So he's out. DeSantis isn't even campaigning in New Hampshire anymore. But before leaving New Hampshire, DeSantis made a campaign stop to see how many Republicans he could kill by spreading anti-vax hysteria. Listen to this. This is Ron DeSantis. Lied to us about the COVID shots. Remember, they said if you take a COVID shot, you will not get COVID. How true was that? Not at all. Now, every booster you take, you're more likely to get COVID as a result of it. Liar. They never said that. He's a liar. They said the vaccine would make it harder for you to get COVID, but you could get it with the vaccine. And This is what's really important. This is what they said. If you get the vaccine, then COVID won't be a death sentence. That's why the World Health Organization just said that while COVID is still spreading, it is no longer the global health emergency it once was. And it's no longer the global health emergency it once was because of herd Immunity, which Ron DeSantis keeps promoting. It's no longer a global health emergency because hundreds of millions of COVID shots have been distributed by Joe Biden. These are the facts. In the red districts, in the parts of America where people vote for Republicans like Ron DeSantis and listen to crackpots like Ron DeSantis, Catching COVID is more fatal by a much larger margin than it is in the heavily vaccinated blue districts of America. So nobody lied, Ron DeSantis, except you, and you're still lying. When you get vaccinated, you help prevent the spread. There's no guarantee you won't get it, but you are less likely to get it. And if you do get it and you're vaccinated... It's a really, really, really bad flu, as opposed to a month in the hospital or dying. For the life of me, I simply don't understand why people do this. I just don't. I understand Big Pharma is evil, that they charge too much and own our politicians. I just don't see the upside to encouraging your voters to die. Don't get me wrong, I'm... Not against his voters. No, I'm not going to say that. Look, get the vaccine. You want to worry about something? You want to worry about the fossil fuel industry killing us? Not the vaccine. Well, the New Hampshire primaries are Tuesday. Then it's off to New Hampshire. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Then it's off to Nevada where Republicans caucus on February 8th, and the South Carolina primary is February 24th. Do you think anybody other than Trump will be left standing by the time Nevada rolls around? We've got a poll going on. DeSantis says he's making his last stand in South Carolina. He's there this morning as his campaign freefalls into complete disarray. He's all out of cash. He's firing staffers, and everybody hates him, and they hate each other. It's a metaphor for the Republican Party, his campaign. 
Like I said, this most definitely will be our last weekend when we pretend not to know who the Republican nominee will be. But after New Hampshire, short of Nikki Haley pulling off an upset, we then turn to who Trump's running mate will be. More on that in a second. The latest real clear New Hampshire polling averages show Donald Trump leading Haley by 15.7 percentage points. He beat DeSantis in Iowa by 30 points, and DeSantis came in second, a very distant second. The real averages show DeSantis losing to Trump in New Hampshire by 40 points. Nikki Haley, however, is Sonny Liston in Lewiston, Maine. The sports writers are hoping she stays on her feet past the first round so they can see a fight. But Trump, unfortunately, like Ali, is just too strong. The most surprising factor to me in all of this is the enthusiasm gap. I always expected Trump fatigue to take hold within the Republican Party. But we're seeing an enthusiasm for him now that (laughs) boggles the mind. He's stronger today with the college educated, with blacks and Hispanics, than he was back in 2015 when he first came down that escalator. And now, because of Joe Biden's embrace of Benjamin Netanyahu, we may actually start to see polling where Trump is running stronger with Arab Americans. Remember the Arab, the Muslim ban? Again, Biden still outperforms Trump in all those groups, but not the way he used to. The next conversation after Trump seals it, probably on Tuesday, will be his running mate. The horrendous Elise Stefanik is running for vice president. She's married to a gun lobbyist. Stefanik is a New York Republican representing a rural district upstate. And she holds Liz Cheney's position in the House Republican leadership and has gone all in on Donald Trump. You might remember she grilled the three elite college presidents for their failure to tackle anti-Semitism on campus. The University of Pennsylvania president was forced to step down when she couldn't bring herself to say calling for the genocide of Jews violated her school's speech codes. Dr. Gay, Harvard's president, comported herself much better, but the right-wing attack machine discovered she had plagiarized certain parts of her doctoral dissertation, which led to her dismissal. Stefanik, a Harvard graduate, is also guilty of plagiarism, but she, along with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake, the Arizona election denier who's now running for Senate, all three of these women are vying to be Trump's number two. In my estimation, ladies, you're all number two. But to get the red rose requires extreme displays of debasement and loyalty. For example, here is Elise Stefanik debasing herself, throwing all women under the bus when, at a Trump rally in Concord, New Hampshire, 
she is grilled by NBC's Vaughn Hilliard on whether she believes the jury that found Trump guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll, whether she believes that jury, which found Trump guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll, or does she believe the rapist, Donald Trump? This is her answer. Top of the how ticket. Grapple with standing by his side while the jury is debating how much to award E. Jean Carroll for being sexually abused by Donald These Trump. These are witch hunts against President Trump, whether it's the you don't bogus e. Carroll. whether it's the bogus case from Tish James, who is a e. radical who is a radical prosecutor. They are all witch hunts against President Trump. No, of course not. The jury found that Donald Trump sexually they are abused all her. Witch hunts against President Trump, and the reason why is because he is pulling ahead of Joe Biden and Joe Biden is the weakest candidate we've ever seen. No, I disagree. No, I don't believe that. And I support President Trump. And you know what? The media is so biased. This is just another example of the media being Why out of touch. Why not believe Carroll? It's not me. It's not the media. Example. It's a jury that found that he sexually abused E.J. Again, again, the media is so out of touch with the American people. Like 2016, you are going to see the American people speak out loudly and clearly with their vote. We are so tired of the biased media shilling for Joe Biden every single day. And the reality is President Trump is going to win. He's going to restore rule of rule of law and he's going to restore respect for the Constitution in this country. Married to a gun lobbyist, Harvard graduate, Elise Stefanik. I think a lot of the allure when it comes to Trump is he's getting away with it for all of us. And if he can get away with it, then I can as well. Well, that's not the way it works. Only Trump gets away with it. If you walk up to one of your female co-workers at the office Christmas party and say, hello there, tinsel crotch, you're going to get written up and probably fired. Trump can do that. You can't. Trump isn't going to make it easier for you to get away with rape or sexual harassment. He just allows you to live vicariously through him if that's your idea of living. Elise Stefanik is a disgrace, crawling through broken glass and defiling herself in the hope of becoming Trump's vice president. She's no different than Senator Tim Scott. Does Elise Stefanik not realize she's a woman? Or maybe she married a gun lobbyist because she's dead inside. The E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit wraps up next week. Last week, E. Jean Carroll testified for two days. Trump was in the courtroom being disruptive and almost got thrown out. He's still insisting the judge declare a mistrial. That's not going to happen because he's already been found guilty of rape. The whole purpose of the trial is to figure out how much he owes her. Trump has already been found guilty of raping and defaming E. Jean Carroll. And after disrupting the trial last week, he defamed her once again during a press conference. In your life, 
Have you ever seen this kind of behavior? This is a person I have no idea until this happened, obviously. I have no idea who she was, and nor could I care less. It's a rigged deal. It's a made-up, fabricated story. Okay, that's defamation. This is what he said right after he lost the first defamation case. He went on CNN's, he did a town hall immediately after and said basically this, and now they're suing him again. Uh, The jury ruled that he did, in fact, rape her in common law parlance. And by calling it fabricated and made up, calling her a liar is defamation. So I, I think she's entitled to sue him once again. How much does this man have to be fined until he shuts up? Here he is again, accusing her of throwing out evidence. Now, he raped her in 1996. It's not like she's holding on to the dress. But here he is rambling like a very, very sick child. Uh, I'm going to play this clip. This is what a very sick child says when he's called in before the, when he's called in before a disciplinary board, uh, like you know the principal and the superintendent calls this ten-year-old in to figure out how to discipline him for smashing his teacher in the face with a brick. This is a ten-year-old. Well, they found out today that she got rid of a lot of evidence, as you probably noticed. She got rid of massive amounts of evidence. And in addition to that, she had a rifle or a gun uh, because she said she bought gun bullets or rifle bullets. And it was the opposite, I guess, of her gun. And uh, was it licensed? No, it wasn't licensed. So I guess she's got a difficult problem. That's going to be her problem. But she has a gun or or a rifle. She didn't really explain which. She might have both. Because she said she bought rifle bullets, so uh, and it's totally unlicensed. So I assume that's a problem. But the judge was protecting her. He didn't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We don't want to. If that were me, it would be a different story. Because you're, you've been found guilty of rape by that judge who has put it into writing three times. He has declined your motions for mistrial three times and has put into writing three times that under common law parlance, a jury has found you guilty of rape. I'm going to play that again just because it is a 10-year-old child who needs to be sent to reform school or just needs to be medicated or taken away from his pa- I mean, this is a really problematic child. What is he talking about? Guns? I mean... Well, they found out today that she got rid of a lot of evidence, as you probably noticed. She got rid of massive amounts of evidence. And in addition to that, she had a rifle or a gun uh, because she said she bought gun bullets or rifle bullets. And it was the opposite, I guess, of her gun. And uh, was it licensed? No, it wasn't licensed. So I guess she's got a difficult problem. That's going to be her problem. But she has a gun or or a rifle. She didn't really explain which. She might have both. Because she said she bought rifle bullets, so uh, and it's totally unlicensed. So I assume that's a problem. But the judge was protecting her. He didn't want to go there. We don't want to go there. We don't want to. If that were me, it would be a different story. She has a gun. She has bullets. She has a rifle. I, I thought you're 
against gun control. I thought you're a Republican. But you know who loves Donald Trump? Just absolutely adores Donald. His wife, Melania, loves him. She doesn't care about the E. Jean Carroll jury finding Donald Trump guilty of rape. She doesn't care that the judge has put into writing three times that a jury has found Donald Trump guilty of rape in common law parlance. She doesn't care. Melania doesn't care that starting in March, Stormy Daniels is going to be testifying about how she had sex with Donald months after Melania gave birth because Melania loves loves Donald Trump. She doesn't care that Donald's first wife is buried <laughs> in an unmarked grave at one, one of his golf courses. She doesn't care because she loves him. She doesn't care. Melania doesn't care that there are 30 credible sexual assault allegations against her darling Donald. She doesn't care that Donald was a regular guest at Jeffrey Epstein's New York City apartment and the mansion in Florida. He doesn't, she doesn't care. She loves him. She loves Donald. How can you not love, if you're a woman, how can you not love, how can you not drop to your knees every day and thank God that Donald Trump is my man? She doesn't care that countless cabinet members recall Donald Trump talking lasciviously and longingly about his own daughter, Ivanka. No, Melania loves this man. And last week, Melania had to bury her mother. And Trump attended the funeral. And this was the photo op arranged by the campaign uh, for right after the funeral service. And, and watch how uh, Melania walks ahead of Donald and gets into the car, slams the door shut, and then he walks away and gets into his own car. They're so in love, they don't need any PDA. You know, that's for people who are faking it. They're so in love, they don't need hugs or kisses. No, I love yous, because when you're this much in love, that would be gilding the lily. Look at this. Right after the funeral, <laughs> he's just standing there, walks away, right? Just, that's it. No hugs, no I'll see you laters, because she's living in Trump Tower, and he's living in Bedminster in Mar-a-Lago. That was it. Not a handshake, not a peck on the cheek, not a wave goodbye. Well, Trump says he's already picked his running mate, but it's too early for an announcement. Plus, they're measuring neck sizes for the next insurrection so they know how big a noose to order for his running mate. The smartest move would be picking Chris Christie, right? Just pick Chris Christie. I think that would be the smartest move. But it's automatically assumed that Donald Trump is going to pick a female running mate. Then again, Chris Christie does sport a pretty impressive decolletage. 
He has nice bosoms, Chris Christie. Nice bosoms. One of my favorite words, bosoms. Whoever invented the word bosoms was a misogynist. I'd like to know who came up with the word bosoms, and I'd like to see his arrest record. The Washington Post has an interesting article about political polarization. We are polarized. I mean, this is New Hampshire where Trump supporters are wearing shorts in below freezing weather. That's some serious climate change denial when you're wearing shorts in below freezing weather. I got news for you, pal. Politics has been polarized and so is your crotch. How can this guy not have frostbite on his yogurt slinger? His yogurt slinger. <laughs> who, would, who would wear shorts in below freezing weather for Donald Trump? So political science, yogurt slinger. Did I, did, I, did I say yogurt slinger? Yes, I did. So political science, <laughs> did I say did everybody hear me say yogurt slinger? Okay. So political scientists are making the selection in November now about a binary choice where Americans are part of two separate tribes. And they're explaining the vitriol away by saying it's natural for one tribe to hate the people from another tribe. But this isn't tribalism. It's fascism. Trump supporters aren't a tribe. They don't believe in democracy. They want to unleash ICE and ex-cops on our most vulnerable. But this is how political scientists, this is how we clean up this Trump mess and try to explain it all away. They say, well, it's one side versus another. No, it's a sickness. We have a mass psychosis because millions of Americans are infected with self-loathing and hatred for others. These are hyper-individuals and hyper Individuals who celebrate hyper-individualism aren't part of a tribe. It's all for me and none for all. You see it in the Republican House caucus. It's not a tribe. They're all out for themselves. So you can't explain this election as tribalism. It is hyper-individualistic fascism. As Trump becomes the nominee, you're going to see him shrouded in an undeserved respectability. And that respectability will be bestowed upon him, will be bestowed upon him by the media serving our richest 1% because we still have a two-party system. And a sense memory of how things used to be will be forced on us and the media will try to force upon us The idea that Trump is just an alternative to Biden. It's make a choice. It's just, this is what elections are. No, this is fascism. And that's what these conversations about group identity and polarization foster. They obfuscate. They neglect the real issue 
at stake. This isn't polarization. This is one party that believes in fascism. Do you remember this guy? Remember him last week coming out to hear Trump speak in Iowa? The other day, Donald Trump said on his first day, he's going to be a dictator for a day. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that. Would you rather have Donald Trump as a dictator for four years or reelect Joe Biden for four years? I would rather have Donald Trump. I'd like to see the repeal of the Roosevelt law so that he can be a president for a lot more than four years. But we, this country needs a dictator. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. I don't think you really hate to say that. Uh Yeah, and we're already beginning to see the normalization process begin. They normalized him in 2016. They'll normalize him again. Jamie Dimon is the head of J.P. Morgan Chase. He crashed our economy back in 2008. He's still in charge. We just learned his annual compensation for 2023 was $38 million. That's a record haul for this pig. And Jamie Dimon was all in on Nikki Haley. In fact, all the dark money ads in New Hampshire this weekend were funded, are funded by Wall Street billionaires who were introduced to Nikki Haley by Jamie Dimon. She has so much money. She just announced a $4 million ad buy last night for South Carolina. She's got to spend that money. And Dimon has resigned himself now to the inevitability of Trump. Now, the neoliberal world order met in Davos this week. And this is what the odious Jamie Dimon told CNBC from Davos. Okay? This is him normalizing Donald Trump. This is Jamie Dimon. He said... Just take a step back and be honest. Trump was kind of right about NATO. He was about pulling out of NATO? Diamond says he was kind of right about immigration. Really? Really, J.P. Morgan, the head of J.P. Morgan Chase, thinks he's right about immigration. Okay? So all those companies you finance that hire undocumented workers... And there's a shortage of them now. He was right about immigration. Diamond goes on to say he grew the economy quite well. The, he lost more jobs than any president since the Great Recession. Since the Great Depression, I'm sorry. The stock market, the worst bear market since the financial collapse of 2008. And people go, Well, it's because of COVID. Exactly. And he killed a million Americans by crapping the bed on COVID. Diamond says, so he he says he did well on trade. Really? Uh, Our trade imbalance grew by 40% under Donald Trump. Jamie Diamond says tax reform worked. Yeah, for the D-bags like you who make... $38 million a year work for you. That was a tax cut for you that tacked on $8 trillion to our national debt. Our national debt 
is $33 trillion, and that tax reform, $8 trillion of that $33 trillion is Donald Trump's tax cuts for pigs, malicious pigs like Jamie Dimon, the chairman, the CEO of J.P. Morgan. He goes on to say, I don't like how he said things about Mexico, but he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. So it really does speak volumes to Republicans. It's just how you say things. Trump really is an extension of George W. Bush. He, he is a manifestation of Reaganomics and everything Ronald Reagan and Milton Friedman introduced. But he's disgusting. That's Jamie Dimon. Uh, shouldn't he be in prison? Didn't we go over the stuff that he's done? I think he should be in prison. Meanwhile, Nikki Haley is positioning herself as the only alternative to Donald Trump, taking a page from his playbook by blowing off two debates with Ron DeSantis. You see, in Donald Trump's party, it's considered a sign of weakness to debate. Winners are never challenged. Real leaders never have to defend their policy, especially when you don't have any. As I've said before, Trump could say he favored amnesty for the migrants, Medicare for all, and taxing billionaires out of existence. This is a cult of personality, and his supporters would vote for him. Whatever he stands for at this point, they'd go with. The one problem he would have... uh, is the amnesty for the migrants. I think that would be a problem because his supporters need somebody to hate. This is all about scapegoating somebody, hatred. Somebody has to be blamed for your financial precarity and for your self-loathing. You know, these people wake up every day and they just feel lousy. They just don't like themselves, they don't like who they're sharing their life with, if they're sharing their life with anybody, and they need somebody other than themselves to blame, and that's what Donald Trump offers them. So if it's not the migrants, and they're easy pickings, you got to find somebody else. It's tough. You know, you want to find the most vulnerable. Uh, Could be the LGBTQ community. Arab Americans, Jews, uh, women, they're all reliable scapegoats. The one scapegoat he'll never go after, Jamie Dimon, the rich and powerful. And that recession Jamie Dimon was predicting never materialized. They've been, Wall Street has been telling us there's a recession coming our way hasn't materialized. Third quarter GDP growth for 2023 was nearly 5%, a spike not seen in decades. Bloomberg reports that the numbers on America's fourth quarter GDP are coming in and not good news for Donald Trump. 
Bloomberg says most economists generally agree when the final numbers are in, fourth quarter growth will be in the neighborhood of 2%. Bloomberg also adds that inflation has been coming down for 11 straight months with an annualized rate of 3%. Bloomberg says the Federal Reserve is discussing lowering interest rates, which would fuel economic growth even more. The goal of the Federal Reserve is to get inflation down to 2%. And it is generally agreed that unemployment at 4% is the sweet spot. It is generally agreed, at least by the Federal Reserve, that anything below 4% is inflationary. What we have now with Bidenomics is historical unemployment. For nearly two years, unemployment has been below 4%, which is considered not just the sweet spot, but full employment. That's what the Federal Reserve, that's what economists say. Below 4% is full employment. We have continued economic growth under Joe Biden, That is not inflationary. We're only 1% away from that sweet spot of 2%. Yes, half this country can't come up with $500 for an emergency. But in terms of the game, in terms of the yardsticks they use, in terms of the game played in Washington, D.C., Joe Biden's economic policy might be one of the most successful ever. Historic. In terms of the garbage they teach and preach in business school, in terms of the garbage that candidates from both parties run on, in terms of what Jamie Dimon spews at Davos, this is not about helping our nation's most vulnerable. We're talking about economics. This is about playing the game of politics and economics and maintaining the neoliberal world order that Jamie Dimon subscribes to. Biden is winning that game. The Democrats always do. The stock market always grows when Democrats are in control. The economy always grows when Democrats are in charge. Three of the worst economic crashes occurred on the Republican Party's watch under Hoover, George W. Bush, and Trump. But it was COVID. Uh Uh-huh, exactly. When you only cut taxes for the rich and deregulate Wall Street, everything crumbles. Jamie Dimon is an idiot. Just because they pay him, what, 39, 36 million a year and he runs JP Morgan Chase, that's further proof of how stupid he is. He's just a bully in a $15,000 suit. 
And now the Wall Street Journal reports that the prospect of lower interest rates means the nearly $9 trillion sitting on the sidelines collecting unusually high interest rates in money market funds will soon be going someplace else. Money market funds change with interest rates. So people have been putting money in money markets to take advantage of the high interest rates. But now Americans are expected to start putting some of that money where? into the stock market, which could send it up higher, but who knows? Or they could buy more real estate, but who knows? This whole thing is a house of cards. Always has been, and it could come crashing down tomorrow. The stock market is at a record high, and that benefits only 10% of Americans. 10% of Americans own 90% of the stock market. But when the market hits new highs, it makes those people feel rich on paper. And so they supposedly feel rich and spend some of that money and invest it in new businesses, supposedly. I don't believe that. But if you're playing the game, the political game that isn't about actually helping the least among us, This is the game of politics and economics. Biden is winning the game. He became president. Here's the rule book. Here's the rule book. This is what you have to do to win the game. In the rule book, it doesn't say take care of the least among us. He did, however, lift uh, children out of poverty at a rate not seen since the Great Society. I'll get to that in a second. Again, the stock market is not an accurate measure of our economy, nor are any of our other yardsticks. But in terms of how we frame political debates, a rising stock market is good for whoever is in the White House. But not so, says Larry Kudlow, Trump's former White House economic advisor, who said on his Fox News show that the stock market is hitting record highs because of Trump. Because the market sees that Trump is coming back to the White House and they're placing bets on a second term. See, Larry Kudlow, you know, I shouldn't bring this up, but he had a severe Coke problem in the 80s. He was drinking. Uh, I shouldn't mention it. But Larry Kudlow, who Donald Trump brought into the White House as his economics advisor, uh, snorted a lot of cocaine and has been open about it. And I think it may have uh, done something to him. Kudlow could not give any credit to Biden for the stock market. He said instead, oh, Biden doesn't want the stock market to go on, uh, go up. Larry Kudlow, who uh, had a really bad Coke problem uh, and drinking problem. Uh, I hope he's okay now. Doesn't sound like it, though. Uh, I hope he's not snorting Coke anymore or drinking. But he said, uh, no, you can't give uh, Biden any credit for a rising stock market 
because Joe Biden hates rich people. He said he wants rich people to fail. That's why he spends every Thanksgiving in David Rubenstein's house. David Rubenstein, the founder of the Carlyle Group, the largest war profiteer in the world. Yeah, he hates rich people. The Inflation Reduction Act, the Bipartisan Infrastructure, Google Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow, cocaine and alcohol, if you're worried. Uh, The Inflation Reduction Act, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, and the CHIPS Act are the reason corporate profits are going up, up, up. This is socialism for the rich. Now, Biden has put America back to work. He's creating more jobs than any president in American history. And when people have jobs, they buy things. Two-thirds of our GDP is what Americans spend. One-third of our GDP is what government spends. Government spending, despite what the Republicans and Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin will say, government spending keeps the economy chugging along. And uh, more than anybody else, the beneficiaries of government spending are Jamie Dimon and Larry Kudlow. The beneficiaries of government spending are the 10% of Americans who own 90% of the stock market. So what the hell is Jamie Dimon thinking? And what the hell is Larry Kudlow smoking again? You don't get record highs in the stock market without government spending. And the way to keep the stock market going up, up, up is by regulating Wall Street and businesses. It was Bill Clinton, the Democrat, who deregulated banking. And eight years later, we had the worst financial collapse since the Great Depression. That was the old Democratic Party when Democrats thought they could only win by behaving like Republicans. That was the old Democratic Party that believed in deregulating the banks, business, Wall Street, so that there'll be a permanent cycle of boom and bust. That's what keeps the casino going. Boom and bust, boom and bust. That's what Clinton foisted upon us, and that's what Reagan foisted upon us. Just no regulation, and then that churns money for Wall Street. Boom and bust, boom and bust. Uh, But thanks to Bill Clinton, and partly because of Obama, it's why Republicans can now run as faux populists. It started with Clinton. He turned politics into a double helix. Politics, the political parties are a double helix. There's so much crossover now between the two parties Uh, that unless you're an actual student of these things, or if you listen to this show or Sam Cedar's show, uh, you can fall prey into believing Republicans are actually for the working class and Democrats are the elitists who serve only the highly educated in Wall Street. 
there is a problem with the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, a sa- an, an almost sound argument could be made that the Democratic Party isn't about uh, giving the middle class and the poor what the middle class and the poor say they need. It's more about hyper-educated rich people telling the middle class and the poor what they need. Those people who wear shorts in below-freezing weather to see Donald Trump, they are barely hanging on to their status as white people, the dominant race. I know it's hard to believe, but there are some <laughs> white people who are proud that they're the do- that they're perceived. How sad is that? Uh, but they feel they're losing that that status that they <laughs> worked so hard for to be the dominant race. It's being taken away from us. Uh, They're hanging on to that, and they're hanging on to their status as middle class. Uh, They're not willing to take their marching orders from well-oiled liberals who think they know best. Well, the people who vote, (laughs) the ones who vote for Trump, they should be told uh, what's best for them. They've proven themselves uh, incapable. Uh, anyway, President Joe Biden has forgiven more student loan debt this week. Now, in June of last year, the Supreme Court ruled against a massive loan forgiveness program Biden unveiled for people who owe student loans. So after the Supreme Court ruling, he went back to the drawing board trying to figure out new ways to short-circuit the Supreme Court ruling, and he has succeeded in forgiving more than $100 billion in student loans. And on Friday, Joe Biden announced he forgave nearly $5 billion more in student debt for nearly 74,000 Americans. I get comments, people email me, They tell me they feel this, that they have student debt and they are feeling the relief that Joe Biden has given them. And I have some good news, some positive news, okay? And we'll end on that. It looks like we might be seeing a child tax credit expansion an expansion that would be retroactive for 2023. Republicans and Democrats seem to have made a deal. They're going to give tax credit. Republicans wanted tax credits for corporations in exchange for expanding tax credits for the child tax credit. And if you file in April, if this goes through, you might be eligible to receive a massive child tax credit check in the mail. And that's good news. And if the Republicans sign on to this, if Mike Johnson gets this passed, I'm going to say a lot will be forgiven. 
you know, a lot of this stuff, the cultural stuff, makes it dangerous for people. Uh, you know, abortion. Uh, it's very dangerous to be a woman right now. It's very dangerous to be a member of the LGBTQ community, and Republicans are the reason for that. But this child tax credit expansion, if it goes through, uh, some, I'll, I'll be willing to forgive. Well, I won't forgive. Uh, I'll probably hate these people even more. I think. Because they knew it was right all along. And yet they let everybody suffer. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you for putting up with my nonsense. We have a poll. Hi, everybody. I hope you're still here. How do I get into the show? I have to go to YouTube now. Um, hi. Sorry. This is... Uh, oh, oh, I know what to do while I'm trying to figure this out. Please uh, subscribe to my newsletter. Please subscribe to this channel. Please hit the like button so I remain in your feed. Please, thank you to Bob in the... Hi, everybody. Okay, there we go. Okay. Did I say everything I was supposed to say? Please, please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Please share it. Please subscribe to my newsletter. Please, uh, all that stuff. Okay, here's the question before I end the poll. We have 1,425 votes. And if you're watching us live, please go into the chat room and please vote. Who won't be left standing after New Hampshire? Haley? DeSantis? Haley and DeSantis? New Hampshire? And I will start with the bottom. So... Uh, 11% say Haley is going to drop out. 46% say DeSantis is going to drop out after New Hampshire. 22% say Haley and DeSantis won't be left standing after New Hampshire. And 21% say New Hampshire won't be standing after New Hampshire. Yeah. So... I think I agree with that. I think Ron DeSantis drops out after New Hampshire. Actually, I think Haley and DeSantis drop out after. That's what I, I'm. That's what my gut, my heart, and my penis, and my brain are telling me. My gut, my heart, my brain, and my penis are saying Haley and DeSantis will drop out. Tuesday night, and I wish them ill. <laughs> I don't like these people. I don't like them. I don't. Uh, we got, how many votes do we get? 1,459 votes. Let me end the vote so everybody can see the results. Thank you so much. Let me just, please seek help as soon as possible. An earthquake hits New Hampshire and the state falls into the ocean. What do the hanging ch what do the hanging chads say? I think they're more like hanging chuds in the Republican Party.
Uh, okay. I, you know, I should just do a show where I talk to the... I've been told to do that, just answer the comments. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, okay. What is... <laughs> What does your bosom tell you? Not to vote for Haley. Who would invent the word bosom? Such an ugly word. Such an ugly word, bosom. All right. Goodbye, my bosom buddies. I'll see you all. Uh, I'm actually going to try to do a show tomorrow. I'm going to try. I may not have the energy. Thank you all for being here.